Thanks to Slack for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to slack.com to learn more. It's Monday, November 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Happy Cyber Monday, gents. Hey, now, Cyber Monday. Taking a break Come for on. the show. We see, <laughs> Exactly. Let's get this done Is so we can really I'm missing some deals, man. I mean, isn't every day Cyber Monday really? Well, every Monday. I mean, except for be. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And just put cyber in front of all of them. Exactly. Good Thanksgivings? Yeah, pretty solid. Nice. Good. Tra- easy travel, all that. I had a great time and very smooth travels. Yeah, I was just down in Fairfax, so. No, very yeah, we, did, we didn't leave the house. Where did you, where did you travel? Up to Boston. Ah, yeah. drive? Uh, new uh, flew up. Nice. Then, yeah. uh, it was all good. All good. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk retail, and we're gonna talk movies. But we're gonna start with the deal of the day. And it turns out that the third time was a charm for Meredith Corporation. <laughs> Meredith Corp, which had tried on two previous occasions to buy Time Inc., succeeded. And so Meredith is buying Time in a deal, uh, all cash deal, valued at two point eight billion. And for those who are unfamiliar with Meredith Corporation, and that's I'm I'm just assuming that's most everyone <laughs> in terms of the name Meredith Corporation. But you are almost certainly familiar with the brands of magazines that they have, like Better Homes and Garden, Family Circle, Parents, All Recipes, etc. So this is one media company buying another, and of course with Time Inc. They're getting Time and Sports Illustrated and People and the tens of millions of people who are in that database, which appears to be one of the keys to this deal. Yeah, they're basically getting ready to corner every physician's office in the entire country. <laughs> <laughs> you, and dentists. Congratulations, I mean, like, Meredith Corp. You are going to be seeing this company a lot of places, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we've said before that uh, Facebook had a very good idea in the strategy of trying to consolidate as many apps under their umbrella as they could early on. Um, I think the same applies here for media properties. I think it makes sense ultimately to see consolidation in the space, bring more properties together under one umbrella, utilize as much financial uh, leverage as you can there to. Uh, Exploit the value in those properties. The trouble is, I mean, today, the advantage that these magazines, that these properties had 40 years ago was distribution, right? I mean, really, you could just, you got the magazines in the mail, there was really no internet, the free flow of information didn't really exist like it does today. And so these magazines just don't hold the same sway that they did before. They just don't have any pricing power. They really, don't scratch that instant gratification itch either. I mean, if you're getting a monthly publication, then you're really only getting it once a month and you got to wait. And then by the time you get it, you've probably read in some capacity everything that's already in there anyway. Uh, so, you know, they're figuring out ways to go digital, and that's the right thing to do, obviously. I mean, uh, utilizing partners like Facebook and Google and Twitter and, and sort of figuring out ways to disseminate the news and their, their pieces. Um, I you know by the same token I wouldn't assume that the printed word is going away. I mean I really do think I mean you're going to see places where magazines hold hold uh, hold place. Um, so again I mean when you look at time, time itself is a business sort of in slow decline. 
if you look in the numbers, I mean, the top line is shrinking, margins are shrinking, subscribers are not growing. Uh, so, this will do uh, something to sort of help bring a little bit more power together and hopefully uh, take advantage of of everybody kind of being under one roof there. Here's one other thing that's shrinking, and it's the number of issues that you get. And I uh, came to realize this recently because I actually subscribed to Sports Illustrated and got a notice the other day that was essentially, oh, by the way, we'd like you to subscribe again, and next year, uh, we're not. We're not. I think it's something like thirty-seven issues or something like that. Holy I'm like, I'm sorry. Smokes. You're a weekly publication, and the last time I checked, there were uh, more than thirty-seven weeks in the uh, year. I didn't realize it was weekly. Yeah, yeah I guess yeah. I was thinking. I, I, I used to subscribe to Sports Illustrated many, many moons ago, but I mean, I, I, I haven't in a long time, and it's really. Be, I, I don't think I subscribe to one magazine now at this point because I just I get it all. Either either on Twitter or just with a quick Google search. I mean, I just I guess I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. I, I do okay, that. That's um, a newspaper. Although that's through, get online that's here, so yeah, yeah. You know, I mean that's kind of kind of an easy one to just say. Yeah, sure, I'll take it. For Sports I, Illustrated, I think they need to focus more on their website than they do because it's the clunkiest website. I think I've, it really uh, is. It's like the worst. I won't go there ever because it. I just hate. Well, I, I mean, are they it. are they not it's utilizing like an, do they are they not utilizing an app? I mean, I think the key for all of these. All of these properties, they need to to embrace the app, app ecosystem. I mean, I guess we've seen sort of it's gone a little bit away from the app back to the mobile web, and so wherever they decide to sort of land there, I think making it a simple and easy to use interface on the phone is going to be crucial. And and I think that just as time goes on, we're seeing more and more that really the phone is is all you need. It's all most people want. The fewer devices, the better. I mean, I, I, I've i sworn I will never buy another iPod, uh, iPad again because I just don't need it. Like it's, I literally did the same thing with my iPad that I did with the phone. Um, so I, I think as long as they're embracing that mobile, but it doesn't sound like they're doing a very good job of it. Yeah, no. Well, on the computer, I haven't really gone there on my mobile device, but um, I imagine it's probably something similar. And with the app, you get the diehard users are going to download the app. But if you want to reach just the common person through social media or um, just regular Google search on your phone, you need that website presence because yeah. um, they're not going to have that app to, to load it in. Um, and there's so much competition out there for eyeballs between Facebook probably being the largest news company in the world without actually publishing any content of its own, YouTube, the largest video distributor in the world without actually publishing any content of its own. So there's just so much competition out there. And I, I think that these companies can't they they're not keeping up. Time has 15 million Twitter followers. Katy Perry has 105 million Twitter followers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there's just people are interested in other things and um, they gotta get their act together. And yet in terms of investors, there is optimism for Meredith Corp up about nine percent this morning. The stock hitting a fifty-two week high. So there is, and I and I don't know enough about how Meredith has made their print strategy and digital strategy work. And I'm assuming they're doing it to a, a pretty solid degree because if you think about the brands under the Time Inc. umbrella, People Magazine, Sports Illustrated, Food and Wine. Fortune, travel, and leisure. These are these are great brands, and yet, for whatever reason, on over the last twenty years, under various groups of leadership under Time Inc., they haven't really been able to expand those brands beyond. 
the printed magazine. And and yes, obviously they they have digital properties as well. But one of my thoughts when I was reading through the coverage this morning was about. Sports Illustrated's attempt to go into 24-hour sports television programming, and right. for for anyone who thinks that television, <laughs> no one else is doing it. right. Well, yeah, but exactly. But back in the mid '90s, uh, for for those who weren't around or don't remember, CNN SI as part of the whole mm-hmm. AOL Time Warner merger, uh, CNN Sports that was a competitor to ESPN. And Sports Illustrated is a great brand, a brand that's been around a lot longer than ESPN. And in pretty short order, ESPN just made quick work of CNN SI, and it was gone. I think six years after it launched. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately you've got to see because it's a lot of different names involved with both companies. And I mean, I do agree with you. There are brands that hold some sway. I think I think some more than others. Some probably don't resonate with the up and coming generation um, as as. Maybe they did more nostalgic, years ago. Than, right? Yeah. I mean, perhaps it's a little bit more nostalgic, more nostalgia there. But I, I think that ultimately what they're going to have because no one is going to sit there and download twenty different apps to have access to all these. No. So they're going to need to do a few things. They're going to need to leverage the mobile internet. They're going to really need to leverage their their relationships with Facebook, with Google, with Twitter, with Instagram, mm-hmm. with Snapchat. Because we're kind of at this point where it seems like. People are trying to sort of minimize the number of apps that they have at this point. Like, remember when you know when the phone first came out? It was like, oh yeah, I got 500 apps. Check it out. You just keep on scrolling my screen forever, and it just never stops. And now it's like, well, wait a minute. I realize that out of those 500, 495 of them really serve no purpose. Well, and the updates continually take <laughs> yeah. up more space on your phone. Exactly. And you're like, what the heck so I mean, I you even... really try to whittle it down to the apps that yeah. you use the most, the ones that matter, and and then you really kind of relegate those to the first screen. So those are your Facebooks, Googles, Twitter, Snapchats, Instagrams, things like that. So that's really going to be the key for them is figuring out ways to to integrate those brands, leverage those key apps where all the traffic is. And really, that shouldn't be that difficult because those audiences are so big. It it then just boils down to being creative and in in sort of tapping into what your audience wants. I think that's the tricky part. Yeah. It's difficult understanding what the younger audience wants today versus what the audience that kind of grew up with you over the past thirty years wants today. Especially with the brands, I think Time has because those are the most competitive areas. I think Time mm-hmm. with news, Sports Illustrated with sports, travel, and leisure, travel, and food. Like those. Are the most competitive areas I think that you can be in publishing, whereas Meredith has a little bit more niche, I think, publications. They have some big ones, but also targeting a little bit more of a niche uh, market where there's not as much competition, I don't believe. So I think that it's going to be some cost cutting and then just aggregate eyeball growth for advertising because that's where these companies really make their money. Let's move on to movies. And Coco won the box office weekend and uh, displacing Justice League and did you actually see this over the weekend? No, you I haven't didn't. Seen it. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Well, read a lot of good things. Pl- plenty of people did, and it. I, I was struck by two things. One, that it took in about just north of seventy million dollars domestically, and two, that U.S. box office really needs to have one hell of a December if it's going to top last year's, because right now. The overall box office for the year is lagging. I think we had talked about this a few weeks back, where and I don't remember which was the was the film that maybe it was in the wake of Thor Ragnarok, which which had a really good opening weekend. But at that point in time, they were 
the the movie theaters were still looking towards the other big blockbusters come to come out, including Coco, Justice League, and of course Star Wars coming in December. They really needed all of them to be huge hits, and it's amazing to say this, but. Justice League has taken in nearly half a billion dollars worldwide at the box office, and it is still considered to be a disappointment. Coco. <laughs> yeah, that chimp's okay. <laughs> I don't know much about um, So, I think the interesting thing to me about Coco is that, in really any Disney movie, number one, I mean, it seems like from what I'm reading here, this is one of like Disney's or one of the top four or five Thanksgiving releases, I think of all time. That's amazing. the The part that's really amazing is that like the list of the other three or four are also all Disney movies. So yeah. Disney's got this figured out, right? I think that's like we're like a broken record. Every holiday season, it's the same thing. Yep, Disney knows what they're doing. They've timed this thing, and you think about what. The the subject matter is what is it? Dia de los Muertos, right? Yes. I mean, that's the Day of the Dead. Like you wouldn't think that's necessarily the most romantic, cheery. Hey, it is the season to be dead, right? I mean, no, <laughs> that's not kind of how it works. But apparently, this thing reeled in a lot. And everything I saw on Twitter, and it wasn't just. I mean, it wasn't kids. It was like adults that I I saw were seeing this movie that were just fawning all adults over it. without children. But yeah, yeah. And, and I mean adults with children. But I, that sort of taps into to an interesting point here when you think about. The population of the United States, and it's you know, 310 million, something like that. And about 25% of that population are kids, you know, 18 years and younger. So maybe 20% of that is, uh, you know, your real target audience for a movie like this. But that's 20%. Then you add in all the parents that are taking their kids to it, and then you add in the parents without kids because they want to go see kind of a feel-good movie, and Disney and Pixar just know what they're doing. I mean, this is why it just season in and season out, we can sit here and really question the ESPN strategy all day long, but this is an example of why you can't count Disney out. And you're talking about, we need some more compelling movies for this to really be a compelling season. Well, interestingly enough, I think Star Wars ought to be able to sort of take care of that in December, and lo and behold, that's a Disney movie as well. So, I think that more and more, we talk about a lot of the headwinds that the that the cinema faces, and I I do think that it's not a very pretty picture for the movie theaters themselves. But I think that when you are a content producer and you know what you're doing, and you you just continue to just execute year in and year out as Disney does, I mean, this is why you can't count Disney out because they continue to do this year in and year out. And while the movie isn't exactly that's not that's not their bread and butter, right? I mean, that's eight ten percent of operating income at the end of the year. But what they do with that content, the the chain that that it then sort of starts, the reaction that it starts. I mean, it goes on for years. And I think there was a there was a Frozen uh, short mm-hmm. movie that was in, integrated into this release as well, which just <laughs> keeps keeps people coming back for more. Uh, so I mean, nothing surprising here. I mean, other than. I haven't been to see it yet, but I imagine we'll take care of that in the next week or so. As a consumer, I'm just waiting for this whole cycle of sequels and sequel sequels and sequel sequel sequels <laughs> and comic books into movies to just run its course. I'm, I'm tired of it. As an investor, it works, but as a as a consumer, I, give me something different. Well, and I think that's that's part of the advantage that uh, that Pixar has is in terms of their ability to. Toggle between the 
sequels that are safer bets in yeah. terms you of you box those, office. Yeah. So, so just in terms of Disney Pixar, 2017 is the year of Coco. It's also the year of Cars three. Yeah, and so <laughs> so if you're if you're part of the brass, uh, you know, if you're Bob Iger, yeah, you're delighted that this original. Um, a surprising story, as you said, uh, Jason. Sort of a surprising topic for a family movie, mm-hmm. but you're probably delighted with this. But you're also pretty happy that this film's release is sandwiched between Cars Three and, I believe, Incredibles Two, which comes out next year. Uh, Coco Two, d- November 2018. Well, I would imagine. <laughs> I would imagine there's a character or two in this movie that they would be able to. You know, establish a series or at least spin off something from. Um, it, it, I don't know if any of you ever saw the movie The Book of Life. I think yeah. that's what it's called, Book of Life. But that was on the same subject, right? Yes. And like, it was very, very well done. I really enjoyed the movie. I, I think it was Sony maybe that did that movie. I'm not sure who did it. I don't know, but I don't believe it was Disney. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty certain it was not. Disney. So, I mean, I think it was just a good example of perhaps. You know, looking at something that was done before and recognizing, hey, that is, while it may sound a little bit odd, it can really make for a compelling and heart uh, heartwarming story as it apparently did. But now, I mean, you look at Moana, you look at uh, Frozen. I mean, you look at Coco. You feel like just through those three movies alone, we've probably got another five years of, yeah. of sitting here talking <laughs> about uh, you know the, the sequels that all do so well. And uh, you know we've seen some recent hubbub here that the um, there's a, there's a potential uh, CEO replacement for Bob Iger. I mean I know they're considering at least the uh, the gentleman who's been in charge of the parks, Bob uh, Chapek. I think Chapek or Chapek. Chapek I think is how we say his name. Um, you're probably putting this guy in a pretty decent position to succeed if you leave him with an arsenal like that. Right. I mean, all you got to do is kind of get in there and execute, and sort of look at what's been done in the past, and just kind of keep that ball rolling. So um, again, I mean, I, I think just this is the reason why you don't count Disney out of anything. I mean, this is the benefit of having that diverse model where you make money a bunch of different ways. Even though ESPN's your big money maker, I mean that that'll that'll become less and less the case, and they're showing that they can find other ways to sort of fill the gap. Uh, one thing before we move on. Uh, Back in March, when I was in Austin, Texas, for South by Southwest, I got the chance to sit down with Steve May, who is the chief technology officer at Disney Pixar, and uh, that was a, an episode of Market Foolery back March 14th. I will post that again on our Twitter feed and in our Facebook group because one of the things we talked about uh, at the very end was Coco and just sort of. Uh, the work that they did, but it was a it was a great conversation because it's uh, it's just fascinating to learn how tech departments work with directors to tell great stories. So uh, so I'll post that again. Now, is he in charge of like just movie tech or like he, he, uh, park he, tech as well? Because that new Star Wars hotel or whatever that's going to be totally immersive. I wasn't sure. So one of the things we talked about was so he's he's at Pixar. He's been oh, he's Pixar, been at yeah, Pixar yeah, for yeah. a long time. So he's the chief technology at Pixar. Mm-hmm. But one of the things uh, we had talked about was how uh, Disney has acquired all these studios so that he's able to connect with the CTOs of other Disney studios as well. 
And so, his counterpart at Marvel, his counterpart at Disney Animation, um, uh, Buena Vista. I think Buena Vista is still a standalone studio. But anyway, so he's able to connect with all of them. Whereas, if it was from a different company, mm-hmm. you got to sign non-disclosure. There's only so much you can share, right. that kind of thing. So they can all get together and share best practices in a way um, that they couldn't if they were working at different companies. <clears throat> I want to say a quick thank you to Slack for supporting today's episode of Market Foolery. Slack is a messaging app that brings together all your team's communication. And you know what? Maybe you are someone who is in a position at your job where you have a say in how your teams deal with one another. Or maybe you're like me. And Taylor and Jason, uh, we're not really in those decision-making positions, <laughs> but we do have. You know, we're fortunate to work at a company where. People will listen to us, and so we did plan today's show using Slack. We plan today's show (laughs) using Slack, and I guess my point is, you don't have to be in a decision-making authority. If you're just sick of your email box being cluttered up at work, you can go to whoever your manager is, your boss is, and just say, "Hey, have you heard about Slack? Because it may actually help make things a little bit more efficient around here. We might cut down on the clutter. We've done that dramatically in terms of internal email here at the Fool. Also, very mobile friendly." Friendly, I might oh, add. Yeah, Very mobile friendly. We love it. 100%. We love Slack. And uh, you can uh, drag and drop file sharing. It works with all of the apps you already use. And as Jason said earlier in the show, yeah, maybe you don't want 500 apps on your phone. <laughs> maybe you don't want 1,000 apps. But with Slack, Slack actually works with over 1,000 apps Salesforce, Google Drive, Zendesk, more. Uh, and as he said, with the mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly. You can always pick up where you left off, no matter where you are. Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. It's Cyber Monday. We had Black Friday. Are we? Are we? Speaking of email, I mean, I just opened up my email this morning, and it was just, it was just littered with all these retailers just saying, and it reminded me of the. Uh, do you remember the comic strip, The Far Side? Yes, sure. Uh, <laughs> and and one of the classic. Uh, Far Side Comics is uh, a man standing in front of a store that he owns with his son, and there's a huge sign on the store, and it says, going out of business sale. And he's got his arm around his son. He says, son, someday all of this will be yours. (laughs) And just, you know, of course, the joke is that you see those signs, and it's like, they're not really going out of business. And that's what I think, this is where we are now, I think, with Cyber Monday. My favorite far side by by, I mean it just is no question. It's the Midvale School for the Gifted. Yes, the door says pull, and the guy sitting there pushing with all of his might. Yes, I mean yes. that's the one I that's will, my like, favorite when I die. But I mean I remember when I was, I was 15 years old, and I got one of those 365 day you know daily calendar things. Where you just rip off one every day, and every single one. Was You're just patient enough so to wait every genius. day. Uh, <laughs> mostly, yeah. yeah mostly. Every once in a while, I think yeah, I had to peek a little bit. It was like a Christmas, right? You get a good. And they're a little early just to kind of get an eye, but um, yeah, I mean, to me, I, God, I get yeah, I the same thing. My email inbox just gets littered with these last chance for Black Friday sales, <laughs> and then Saturday they're like, you know what, we've decided to continue this a little bit further. Or they say demand was so impressive right, that exactly. we've decided to keep it up. They figure out a way to market it in, in such a way that they they're trying to do everything they can to gin up interest. And I think really, to me, I, I mean, I, I feel like these are all just. These things are over. I mean, I feel like that that we're still 
discussing this, that we're still going through with this as a human race. Like, this is disappointing. Like, I just am disappointed in people. Like, we're better than this. It is these Apparently days. Apparently, we're now, not. Well, <laughs> maybe some of us are. <laughs> these days, really, to me, are, it's, it's not about the day anymore. It's about just marking the beginning of the season, I think. And, and I think um, the consumer knows that. Most consumers know that. Some consumers love to go out there and celebrate it still. I can't fathom why. I mean, if I can't click it, I don't want it. And I do everything I can to avoid a store at this point. And it's funny, I see my kids and their friends doing the same stuff. They just don't want that. that, that these stores are having a hard time bringing people in, and there are good reasons why. Um, so, for me, I mean, I think that these are just almost. Names now, as far as Black Friday, Cyber Monday, they just they begin the season, so to speak. And I, I think at some point, you know, it'll be interesting to see if all of these retailers that send you these emails and they say, "All right, we're going to continue this thing on into you know one more day or Cyber Monday." What I wonder if any retailers are actually going to get out there one day and just draw a line in the sand and like, "Nope, Black Friday, it's over Friday. We mean it, yeah. you know." And this time. No ands, ifs, or buts. On Saturday, your deals are done. Send out a full priced email on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe we could see some retailers try to draw a line in the sand. Like that. I doubt we probably would, but I don't know. I mean, to me, it's just these things are just laughable at this point. Yeah. Oh no, go ahead. I saw a Deloitte study that said like last year retailers sent out a little over fifteen percent more emails, yet fifteen percent less emails were open from them. Yeah. So it's just firing more off into the ether with less and less response. I mean, um, even though people are buying more on mobile, they have their favorite stores. They might just go there, or Amazon has the scrolling deals on the homepage. Like, you can find these things going on at your favorite brands without getting inundated with emails. And I feel like most people. If they don't already, should just have a separate inbox that, that all this stuff gets sent to outside of your main personal email account. Um, I know I do, and so I, I check that maybe like twice a month, and it's mainly just to make sure I didn't miss an important email. And transactions are up. I mean, online sales uh, over the weekend up around 17 percent, and uh, compared to a year ago, and foot traffic down maybe three four percent. So. Maybe that nets out for the retailers. Certainly, um, Amazon's hitting another high today, uh, so maybe we shouldn't be surprised by that. But yeah, I, 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 to your point, Jason, I look at all of the email, and I kind of want to just pull all of these retailers aside and say, "No, it's okay. We know like, <laughs> exactly. We, we know, and we, just make sure your site is ready." To make sure you know, and that's and maybe that's a sign. And the day isn't over yet, so so maybe I'm jinxing things here. But we haven't heard to this point about any sort of internet outages or major websites being down for several hours, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, the stat about the online transactions being up 17 percent compared to a year ago that came from Adobe, which was tracking this. Uh, they also had the stat that. Online transactions were being closed more quickly. Uh, consumers were closing those sales down in, in uh, 10% faster than a year ago. So maybe just the tech is getting better. But yeah, I, again, I just want to say to all the retailers, we, we know. Yeah. We know you've got deals and we'll come to your site and maybe we'll all shop. Yeah, but I'll please, check it out when I please stop something. emailing. I mean, <laughs> maybe the tech will get better. I've, I've, it just kind of strikes me that you know we're in the process of finishing our basement in our house. And part of that is we're putting a full bathroom down there, and so that 
includes a toilet and a sink. And so, like, I went to Wayfair and we found a vanity that we wanted for the bathroom down there. And I ordered the vanity. Like, so now we've got the vanity, it's, it's shipping, and I'm supposed to get it like today or tomorrow or the next day or whatever. But I'm, I'm just floored by the number of emails that I continue to get from Wayfair with all of these vanity sale offerings. I'm like, how many vanities do you think I need? <laughs> really? Like, I mean, it just that just seems kind of like a one time. I mean, I maybe you have three bathrooms in your house, and maybe some people are looking to just upgrade all of their vanities, but that's kind of not normal, I guess. I think maybe their tech could use a little bit of a. A little bit of a do they a, offer a free tweet returns? There, uh, they do offer free so maybe returns. Maybe they're just I hedging mean, their bets if you don't like this one. Well, the toilet, the same thing. Like, <laughs> order the toilet, and they're like, "Hey, we got these toilets." I'm like, "How many toilets do you think I would order?" I don't know. Just <laughs> are you make sure your tech that was a little the bit best better. one? To... You don't need to send me those emails. I guess yeah. is my point. Like, I, if I need another vanity, I guarantee you, I'm going to go look there first. Let me take the other side of that, which is the slim possibility, but it's out there. It's a non-zero chance that someone who does email marketing to Wayfair is one of the dozens of listeners, and they've been hearing you over the past year or two talk about the River House and the you know, <laughs> upgraded rivers, and they're they're like I don't know, I don't know how many homes Jason Moser owns, but I think it's seventeen. Yeah, normally that normally that box is checked, but we're gonna default his and uncheck it. Jason Moser, Chandler Markman, thanks for being here, guys. Cheers. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's gonna do it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.